podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on AI Pro podcasting to you from a field rural Ireland, I'm Trev Denny, joining me to give their immediate reactions to Liverpool 6, Leeds nil in the Premier League from Anfield, are Dave Hendrick and Jim Boardman. Dave, these are special days indeed, uh, to rack up a score like that is always impressive. To do so when the pressure's really on and you look at the, the league table um, and as a result of this wonderful run the Reds are putting together, we are now three points behind City with them to play and most people would have said that that was bananas in terms of expectations but the four trophy reds that i've floated a few times are still real it's still a realistic possibility it's it's exciting as all hell it might be the most exciting season potentially ever dave yeah i mean it it could be and the, the thing that people just need to remember is if we don't end up with four if we end up with one or two or three that's still a great season like, okay, if we win one in the League Cup, that's not a great season, it's a good season. But if we were to win both domestic cups or the League Cup and the Champions League or all three cups, that would be an, a great, great season that none of us could cringe about. The fact that we're firing ourselves back into a title race, though, really is the cherry on top of the cake. That's six wins in a row. That's a rampant Liverpool tonight. I thought in the first half we played some of the best football we've played all season. Some of the movement, the passing, the interchanging, the blindside runs. Leeds just had no idea where our players were and where they were going. And like you say, we're right back in the mix. We've now scored 70 goals in this Premier League season. Just just take a moment and consider that. We've played 26 games and scored 70 goals. Last season, we played 38 games and scored 68 goals. So, you know, we're we're back humming along, only the 20 conceded, a goal difference of plus 50, substantially more than City now. And if it comes to yeah, that surge, game... Yeah, surge past them, yeah. Surge oh, yes, yeah, absolutely. Surge past them for, for goal difference. And when you consider the fact that, like, they put seven on Leeds, they put five on Norwich, they put five on Arsenal, I think they put five on someone else in the league as well this season... Whereas we've just consistently gone out and knocked three past teams. And the yeah. odd time we turn it up like this. And what was crazy about today was like the first half, like I said, I just thought we were sensational. And some of the football was absolutely jaw-dropping stuff. In the second half, we didn't play all that well. We were managing the game. We, we weren't trying to tear them apart. And then we get that fourth goal. And it, it felt at that moment as if they gave up. It really did feel like they gave up. And we seemed to sense that. And we were like, okay, 
well, if you're going to give up and there's goals to be had here, we'll take them. Like, Virgil spent about three minutes pricking about as a left winger with no intention of heading back down the field because he could sense there was more goals to be had. And thankfully, we, we took advantage of it. We were ruthless right at the very end. The last touch of the ball in the game was Virgil heading home the, the Robbo header. And 6-0 is a fair reflection on that game because we could have been 6 or 7 up at half time. So Leeds can't get it, it is a fair reflection. Um, and as you say, the performances have been sort of incredibly consistent. So, yeah, as I say, the proof of that particular pulling, Dave, is in the uh, beautiful eating of the stats that we have the top three goal scorers in the Premier League and the top three assists givers in the Premier League. Mo, Diogo and Sadio on 19, 12 and 11 goals. And Trent, Mo and Andy Robertson on 10, 10 and 9 assists, respectively. I mean, that's bananas numbers for those lads to be cranking out. And the fact that Mo is top scorer um, on 19 goals and that the closest rival competitor outside of his own club to him is Raheem Sterling on 10 just shows you that, you know, it's not a fluke that we have closed in on City and that we are where we are in the various competitions. These lads are worth it. And if we can keep them fit, comparatively speaking, I mean, yeah, as you say, we can rationalize and say one or two or three or whatever trophies would be good or nice or various levels of success. But honestly, man, we should have every expectation of every game we go into now winning it. And that would mean an unprecedented sweep. And I'm, I'm not setting it up for failure. I'm setting it up because I'm genuinely excited by these guys. Mm. A hundred percent. I'm just hoping that if we get to the end of the season and we win the other three and we don't win the league, that we don't get any cry arson, that everybody just accepts that, look, we were way behind City at one point. For us to even be in this at this yeah. stage, having fought our way back in, to have bounced in six wins in a row while they've dropped points in two different games, that's massive. And we're doing that while going for those other other uh, competitions. We're doing it while beating the Italian champions, while getting to a cup final, while going through the FA Cup. When we did it before, when we went for the Champions League and Premier League double in 18-19, we binned off the cups in the early stages of the season. Now we're, we are just going hell for leather for everything, which is what I think a lot of us have wanted for a number of years with Klopp, was that he would have the chance to go and try and win as many pots and pans as he could. Because at the end of the day, that's what he'll be judged on historically. It yeah. won't be just, oh, it, it won't be just, you know, he won a league, he won a Premier League. It'll be, well, how many how many trophies did he win? Yeah, because 100%. serial winners like Klopp want loads of trophies. And he, yeah. you know he's wanted it for years. And now he finally has a squad that's capable. Jim, that is the, the, the hallmark of any great side. Um, is the the number of pots they put in the press when me and you were neighbors? There used to be celebrate gathering cups in May, uh, and it was always a special thing. And this crowd looked like they may well be able to do it. They've already started the process with the two big ones for us, uh, this particular squad. But on a night of sort of outrageous moments, um, an incredible dominance uh, and 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 raised hopes. 
I mean, you can take your pick, but I've rarely seen anything as special as Joel Matip's goal. It kind of summed the whole night up. The radiating centre-half exchanging a 1-2 with the leading goal scorer in the Premier League and one of the leading assists in, uh, givers in the Premier League uh, to sweep home a finish worthy of Rushy or Kenny or <laughs> any of our great strikers in their prime. It, 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 as a moment, it kind of summed up the wave that this team is kind of cresting at the moment, didn't it? It did, yeah. I think I think it sort of underlines the confidence, not just not just Matip's confidence in himself and his own abilities, and he's he's clearly more than just an old fashioned defender, isn't he? But it's more the sort of the confidence he had that someone will keep keep an eye on the back, keep an eye on the shop as well for him while he just nips out. He'll just, um, it, you know, he knew that he could do this. He knew that not only could he go could he go forward and have that sense of adventure, but that, you know, it, it wouldn't be sort of that big of a risk because of the, the kind of team we are, the way that we work so hard together. Because, I mean, I can remember one thing I saw early on was, I think it was a, set, a corner for us and we, we didn't, did do very well from the ball, and and he always does it. But you kind of almost take it for granted that Mo Salah was the player legging it up towards the halfway line and pressing and and stopping them having the break. And you, you know when you sort of first look, who's that? Who's that? And it, and it's Mo. You know, it's not one of the defenders. It's Mo that's going back. And this is the thing as a team we play, we play as a team. And I think another interesting thing is we play as a squad because I think there's been times in recent years when we've not had a full squad. We've had players missing. You know, we're we're sort of on the bare bones in midfield. Or, Whatever, but at the moment it feels like touch wood that we've not got that many out. And even when we have got a couple out, we've still got options. I mean, we've got the one of the you, you know you talked about the three top scorers in the league. One of them was missing, but you didn't notice he was missing tonight. And we didn't even need to use to use Firmino, or you know what I mean. Firmino didn't even get involved, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, and that's yeah. just the front and at the back. You know, if you said we were looking at the lineup, he's going to play in the in. The centre backs tonight. Well, obviously the two scorers are going to get in, but we still got Canate, and it's kind of like that all the way through. Even even in goal, this weekend we're likely to see Allison have a rest for the cup final because we've got a decent enough goalkeeper. That's not just about about Klopp saying he can play because you know he's he's been the young the young lad that's played in the early rounds. That's because Klopp knows he could do a good job, you know. And this is the thing throughout the side. I just think we've got all these options and not just not just sort of backup options as such, but genuine choices. Um, the I mean, only spot we don't is right back because at left back yeah. you've got Costas, you've got you could maybe argue there's not a like for like backup for Fabinho, but Henderson can play there and do a job against a lot of teams. We've got Naby in for Thiago and that sort of thing. It is it, it it's it has all come together very well. Here's a really good stat just while I'm while I'm looking at it from Rich Jolly, who's always good for these type of things. Sadio Mane is the only player with 10-plus Premier League goals in each of the last eight seasons. Like, that is a staggering level of consistency from Sadio. And it's, it's, well, it's unusual for one club to have so many, isn't it? You know, you get, you know, down the years in the Premier just say the Premier League when football was invented, that the top <laughs> scorers have tended to be the only scorer really at their club. You know, Yeah, like, you'd have you one that would get like 25. You might have one that would get you like 12, and then everybody else would be like on four and five and six. And that'd be it. But with us, and I think that's what's made us so good and so difficult to stop, is that there's always been, prior to this season, and obviously prior to Jota arriving, there was always two real sources of goals in in Salah and in Mane. And then Bobby would pop in with his, you know, 10 to 15, somewhere in that kind of region. But now you add Jota, we've added Diaz, and you can tell that kid is going to score a lot of goals for us. 
Absolutely. probably should have had one tonight, but you can tell he's going to get a lot of goals because we just don't miss on those players. But I'm glad that you, you did bring up the Matip goal early, Trev. And I think we should re- recognise that is, without doubt, the greatest moment in the history of Anfield Stadium. <laughs> that is the greatest thing that has ever happened. And the best part of it all, it's not the, the run. It's not the give and go with Salah. It's not even the finish. It's the fact that he looked really annoyed that everybody came and celebrated with him and made a big fuss. It's <laughs> yeah, livid that people were making a fuss about him. Until Virgil held up his held out his name at the back so people could see the name. Then I think you, you saw him crack a smile. But before that he did, he looked livid that people were celebrating the goal. You know, on on a night where things are happening like that, you know, Jim, we've got Salah moving up to ninth on the all-time goalscorer list, which is in and of itself kind of bananas. The people ahead of him now include only Michael Owen, who's got six more goals in eighth position. Kenny has 20 more goals. Uh, then it's on to Robbie Fowler, who would have uh, 20 and 10, 30, 33 more goals. Yeah, but, 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 you know, considering the age Mo is and considering that we all hope to Christ he signs the contract, at least I do. I'm not one of these people that can be phlegmatic about it. You're looking at a guy here who is pulling up trees and setting records. And I actually had um, people do the rational, you know, conversation with me about how. Well, maybe you know this is the time to move him on, get top dollar, and I'm I'm like, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. This is the best player in the world in this position, mm. playing for us now. Let's keep him, Jim. I don't want anyone else having Mo Salah's best years, and there've got to be one or two of them left. Uh, so I honestly, when it comes to things like this, I know you have to be ra- rational and pragmatic, but as a fan, Jim, I don't want to think about. Um, you know, carrying the four, but fuck your sums, just sign them. You know what I mean? Let's say there's, there's no, there's no sign of him starting to, to lose any, any of his ability. If, if anything, he's getting better. We, we, I don't think we've seen his peak yet. Or if we, if he, if he's going to peak, it's going to be now. And it's a long flat curve as we kept hearing about with COVID and things. But this isn't a horrible thing like COVID. This, this is Mo Salah. Who's, who's worth more money it's worth more to us than any money if that makes sense there's there's not a, a price i think you can put on him so understandably there is a price limit in terms of what we could pay him but i, I don't think he's so greedy that he's gonna he's gonna price himself out of no, the new contract you know it's just about not. giving it him you know giving it him soon and, he, and there's another thing tonight is how happy you looked at the end of the game and everything i mean he, he it was six nil against leeds and you know, relegation candidates, all the rest of it. He just looks so happy. And he looks so happy to be here and be with those players and, and be at that ground in front of those fans. He's He's got to stay. And fair enough, down the years, and it goes back to, to Bill Shankly, to Bob Paisley, Liverpool have had, had legends and then they leave and the fans are thinking, oh, why has that happened? And the reason it's happened in the past is because one of those great men has realised that this great player is just starting on the decline now and it's better to let them go, get some cash, let them do the declining somewhere else. Salah's not at that stage yet. He's not at the stage that Torres was, that you know, no. we pulled a masterstroke letting him go when we did. Maybe maybe it was luck, maybe we knew. Coutinho, we made good money on him. I don't think we missed him because we used the money wisely. But I gen- what could we do with any money that was given to us for Salah? I just generally don't think we could get anything. There's no one out there to replace him. And the thing is, 
People keep saying, oh, you know, it, it'll break the wage structure. No, it doesn't. It break. What it does is it raises the wage ceiling because yeah. the structure remains the same. What it does is it lets players know if you sign for Liverpool and you perform, you'll get a second contract. And if you continue to outperform, you'll get a third contract and the sky will be the limit on what that third contract can be. It's no longer a case like, you know, Spurs, they had such a rigid wage cap that it 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 spoiled four or five potential signings for them. Players turned them down because they were asking those questions about second and third contracts and been told, well, we have a, a wage cap and that's it. We don't go above that. What we'd be looking to do is just advance what we do already. And this thing about, you know, he turns 30 in the summer. and just Nonsense. Cristiano Ronaldo turned 30 in February of 2015. Between then and the end of that season, he scored over 20 goals. The following season, he scored 51. The following season, he scored 42. And the following season, he scored 44. In each of those three seasons, after turning 30, he won a European Cup at Real Madrid. Then he went on to Juventus and scored 28, 37 and 36 in three seasons. This season, he's got 15. And I know he's a fraction of the player he was. But up until this season, he was banging in goals at basically a rate of three goals in every four games at 34, 35 and 36 years of age. And the reason he's able to do it is because of how he looks after himself. Like, you watch him play and he's quite a limited player now, but he's got that level of fitness, that burst of speed and that intelligence. Well, Salah looks after himself just as well, has the same type of intelligence, you know, the same type of speed. And even if in... Three years' time, Mo can no longer play on the right of the attack because his game has just kind of wound down a little bit. Wouldn't he be lethal through the middle? Or worst case scenario, the last year of that deal, he's coming off the bench as a threat with 20 minutes to go. Like You'll get your value. If we keep Salah, and I've been saying this for about eight months now, if we keep Salah, there is a genuine chance that he threatens Ian Rush's record as the highest scoring Liverpool player of all time. Right. That's where I wanted to go. That's where I wanted to go. And and, and I want to take from both of you on this. Interesting you bring up the physique thing, because I think the only one, that physique that Ronaldo has been so uh, proud of showing off for years, the only one who can kind of uh, look at him and and say, go home, son, and uh, you've eaten too many burgers, is Mo Salah. Mo Salah has deltoids on his deltoids. It's ridiculous. I've never seen a lad in such good shape. And the thing about him is he's a different build as well. He's more lithe and that will count in his favour in over time as well. And I'm looking at the, these numbers here. So Mo's on 152 goals. Now, if you go to break into the top five, which is Steven Gerrard, you need to get to 186. That's 34 more goals to get into top five. But it's a, such a fucking massive ask to get much higher than that. Billy Riddle's on 228 goals. Then, so that's a, I mean. Next season, he passes Gerard. Two seasons Next with 30 season goals. The year after that, he passes Billy. Mm-hmm. And then what's he got? Then who's in front of him? Uh, Gordon Hodgson has t- 241. That's one that's, more year. Easy, and easy then, pass if he stays three years. And then you've and got... Then Roger Hunt is a further 
44 goals ahead on uh, 285. And Rushy's untouchable, man. Nobody will ever get close to Rushy. Rushy's 3, 4, 6. You, you, it's yeah, not look possible. At, Even look at Rushy's numbers. Look at Rush's numbers. Look at the last five seasons of Rush. Only one season over 20 goals. Salah will sleepwalk into 20 goals this season in this team. He'll sleepwalk into 30 goals. You're not even asking him to massively up his level. Like by the end of this season, Salah is going to probably get somewhere between 9 and 12 more goals this season, being conservative. That puts him into the late 30s. That puts him into about 164 if he gets 12 goals from now at the end of the season. He's not going to, um, not going to compete with Jimmy Milner, has he, for the pounds? But that's like, what? why can't <laughs> he play till 36, 37? Why, why couldn't he do that? Like, why are we assuming that he can't do it? Because we're watching James Milner do it. James Milner doesn't take any better care of himself than Mo Salah. He doesn't have a natural level of fitness that's better than Mo Salah. He's not any I guess... more driven than Salah. Salah could play to Milner's age, and if he does, and he does it with us, he will threaten Ian Rush's record because he will bang in somewhere between 30 and 40 goals a season the rest of the way because of how good he has now become. I think he's right. I think he's only starting to peak and now. He's only he's definitely at that level. And then I think, as you say, like look into the future, look at John Barnes. I know it's a different game nowadays, but by the time John Barnes was had lost that bit of pace that he needed to be that amazing winger, He'd learned so much about the game, had so much respect in it that he became a, a brilliant central midfielder and, you know, played a good few more years as as one of the best ones around in that role, I think. And I'm not saying Salah's necessarily going to go into central midfield, but yeah, he could definitely play a different role in a side. And as you say, he knows where the goal is. He's still he's so skillful as well. Um, he also takes penalties. Yeah. which Rushy didn't do. No. And that gives him an edge on Rush. Now, it doesn't help that referees don't give us penalties, though we got two tonight. But there's no reason Mo Salah can't threaten that record. Now, a four-year contract would be is obviously what we're looking for now. But I genuinely think at the end of that four-year contract, we'll still be looking at Mo. Because that, remember, that would take him till 2027. So that's five more years after this. Are we are we gonna write off the idea that Salah could go 170 goals over those five years? Because that puts him only about 25 behind Rush. So he could easily yeah. stick around a year or two. Like it is doable. I know we've always looked at that record and thought untouchable, but not only can Salah yeah. do it if he stays long enough, he'll do it in far less games. And he's not just played all the games this season, has he? Because of the um, no. the tournament. In Africa, no. so you know he's. There's, yeah, it, it, I mean, maybe the biggest, the biggest threat to him getting the goals is if Diaz starts getting the goals because he looks like he's going to get a few. Well, let's 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 get into it because I've derailed us massively with uh, uncharacteristic uh, tangents at the start. But you know, these are unprecedented times, so I I want to I want to revel in it, and um, we can get the usual. Um, sort of uh, arrangements out of the way quickly, Jim, by having a look with yourself at the uh, Liverpool lineup, which was what would appear to be Clavel's preferred defence uh, alongside Alisson. Um, that's the, the the lineup that it's, it's his go-to um, with with uh, Joel and, and, and Virgil and Robbo and, and Trent. Um, Fab and, and Thiago are, I think, everybody's first two calls for, for midfield. 
um, you know, uh, and Ben Moen and uh, Salio alongside Luis Diaz was the best possible thing we could go with given given the fact that we were missing Diogo Shota and Roberto Firmino um on the bench tonight we had Kanate and Milner Keita and Henderson uh, Ox and Minamino Simicus and Origi and Quivin Kelleher and that's uh, a solid uh quality filled bench um I like the fact that Jurgen seems to be leaning into this Mo Diaz Sadio uh, trio, uh, Jim, with Sadio through the middle because you saw it re- reaping rewards tonight. And Sadio can really, I think, do really well in that role for so many reasons. He's surprisingly uh, good in the air. Um, he knows how to make a run. Uh, when he gets into a mode of finishing, he can be fantastic. He can do the unexpected, like the overhead sort of. Uh, kick that he scored the last day off his shin and he can do the the um the expected which is when you're playing through the middle you come in and you sweep a couple home in the fashion he did tonight i like this shape i have to say um curtis was the the wild card tonight i don't know if he's done enough there to be regularly or to be involved in the next game but it's nice i like what Kloppo's doing at the moment which is he's getting minutes into a lot of legs. And, I mean, that's the ideal situation, isn't it, Jim? It is, definitely. I mean, for lots of reasons. It's um, So, like you, you mentioned, Curtis Jones, he needs the games to just prove to himself how good he is, I think. I think at times he lacks a... I don't know. I think at times he's kind of been a bit overconfident and then he kind of goes too far the other way. Maybe he's a bit underconfident. I don't know. But he, he just the more games he gets, the more he gets the experience and knows just how good he is and knows what's expected of him. I mean, he was probably... in from the plays available that was probably the only spot in the pitch that you might have might have struggled to predict that he would have got that that other spot as, as you say it is the preferred back four plus the goalie and from the front three it's the, the best front three available and as you say um i do i do i agree i like that 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 line up that playing the front three in that way in that order and i do wonder what he's going to do when jota is fit but that's the thing is it's one of those good problems to have one of those nice problems to have and on the bench I mean, was there an eye on on Sunday? It's difficult to know because he's he's played. He's, he's already said Kelleher's going to be playing in goal on Sunday, which in a way makes you think that there's a little bit of a sort of it's not you're going to be your first first choice eleven. But on the other hand, who knows? And I think I think one thing is about these players is that Klopp's got a lot of confidence in them. He knows what they can do. He knows what they bring him. He, he knows obviously some are better than others, and some are better than others in certain roles and playing certain ways. So. I think maybe 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 Cater will play on Sunday. We'll see, but it's it's a strong lineup. It's a strong it's a strong squad, a strong lineup, and no sort of. I mean, one of my worries in a way tonight was we would have gone out tonight with a very changed team, sort of weakened team, and would have given Leeds that old-fashioned cliche of the, you know, putting the team sheet up in the dressing room is straight away a bit of motivation for them. That would have done the exact opposite tonight when they saw that team. Any hopes they had that we'd arrested some for Sunday went straight out of the window and. Mm, the rest is history so to speak that's a great point Um, there was no taking the piss out of them at all it was absolutely here try your luck against this lot and I think you're right I think it would have had the opposite effect um, to to what they would have been hoping for they would have probably minimally shat themselves looking at that front um, three and and, And those white shots as well it's it's lethal 
pretty. It's yeah, it's not pretty. It's not pretty, Jim. It's not pretty. And, and, and of course, our wonder kid uh, is not even in the match day squad. I, I'm assuming I heard something about injuries. I'm assuming that's that's uh, uh, just a, a rotation matter. And what is really interesting is, you know, on the back of what you're chatting about there, does Kloppo pull another rabbit out of his hat and give him a start in a final? I, I, you know, this is, this is just so exciting. I saw lads having debates today about Joel, uh, sorry, Joe Gomez. Would he be able to play play the six? Because people, we have an embarrassment of riches. That's the first time I think we've been able to revel in that for a while. So it's, it's important that we do. And just to keep the ball rolling, uh, Dave, and have a look at Leeds with you and, and Jim, feel free to pipe in at any stage if you'd like on these guys as well. Um, there's, I feel there might be a little bit of a myth about Leeds, and I don't want to be overly harsh, but I have no, I have never really seen the thing that a lot of people seem to be seeing. For I suppose what I'm saying is, for me, an awful lot of the time, the emperor was bollock naked when it came to Leeds, and I, I and I don't want to. I don't want to be cruel here because I have a lot of time for the manager. I like any team that tries to play football. But I'm looking at this lineup tonight, and they've got quite a, a few decent footballers here. So they start with um, the keeper, as they, they have got Ailing and, and Struck uh, at centre half, and Firpo and Dallas either side. Forshaw sort of holding things together there in the midfield, theoretically ahead of him, Rodrigo and Click, Rafinha and Harrison, and uh, Dan James up uh, up front, and you know, nominally in that. But they're, they're a very fluid side, Dave. And on the bench, they have the likes of Tyler Roberts, they've got Klassen, they've got Gellhart, who came on today, Charlie Cresswell, uh, Somerville, McCarran, Shackleton, and Kenna. Uh, doesn't strike fear into you. And they started with their main man today who had sort of been out of the running. And a Leeds fan of my acquaintance that I used to teach or chat to on Twitter a bit um, is of the opinion that Rafinha sorry, has gone missing in, in the last few starts that he's had. Mm. Um, what is it that's going on there with them? Do you agree with me that perhaps they're not they're, they're not the sum of their parts or certainly they're not what they've been billed to be? Let's just start with that bench for one quick second. The oldest player on that bench is Tyler Roberts, who's 23. Everybody else is 21 and under. So mm. that's a problem straight away. There are children on that bench. And this is this has been an ongoing thing with Leeds basically all season, where you'd look at the bench and you'd be like, he's 18, he's 19, or he's 20, or he's 17. And... That's a big problem for them. There's the two of the, two of the guys that came on today are teenagers, Joe Gelhart and and um oh Jamie Shackleton, sorry, is twenty-two. That's my mistake. He's twenty-two, he's an, an elderly statesman. But you look at the team and Melier is a young, error-prone goalkeeper, clearly talented but error-prone. Struyek is another young, talented but error-prone centre back. Junior Furpo's in his first season in the division. You look at the other two. Luke Ayling is playing centre-back. He's a right-back. He's also one of the worst right-backs in the league. He's a championship player. Stuart Dallas is not a right-back. He's a midfielder, and he's a championship-level midfielder. Adam Forshaw is a championship-level player, and Matthias Glish is a championship-level player. So one of the problems they have, if they have everybody, if everybody's fit, and today they're missing, obviously, 
their main goal scorer in Bamford. He, without him, they don't really have an alternative option. They've got Dan James, who's a winger, or Joe Gellhart, who's a child. They are missing Calvin Phillips, who's by far their best midfielder. Their player. best midfielder, yeah, yeah. If they don't have him, it's championship level players stepping into the breach. They're also missing Robin Cock. They're also missing Diego Loriente, who's their best centre back. And those two, Cock and Loriente, would probably be the first choice centre back pairing if everybody was fit and everybody's on top of the game. They're missing Liam Cooper, who's their captain. Now, again, I think he's more of a championship level player. And they're missing Greenwood and Yeld, who are another two very talented kids, but kids nonetheless. If you look at Leeds' best 11 when everybody's fit, you go Melier, Ailing, uh, Laurenti, Cock, Ostruyuk, Firpo, Phillips, Rafinha, Rodrigo, Harrison, James, and Bamford up front. That's not a bad team, but that's potentially their best 11. And Luke Ayling is in it. And again, he's the worst right back in the division or certainly in strong in the conversation as the worst right back in the division. They don't even have a full 11 that you could hang your hat on and say, that's a quality Premier League team. There's always one or two in that starting group that aren't of Premier League calibre. And when you start to take out two or three of the, and in this case, four of the guys who would be Premier League calibre in Phillips, Bamford, um, Lorente and Cock, all of a sudden you're down to six Premier League calibre players, a group of championship calibre players and a bunch of children. And that's where you're going to get into trouble in this division. And, and you know, Brentford are exactly the same. Look at their best 11. Take anyone out and put in anyone else in the squad. And all of a sudden you, you're staring at a championship calibre player. Leeds don't have the excuse that Brentford has, which is where we just came up. And we don't exactly have, you know, bags of money. Leeds have spent quite a bit of money since coming up. Unfortunately for them, they've just spent some of it badly. And in the summer just gone, they didn't simply didn't do enough. They simply did not do enough to back Marcelo Bielsa. There was very clear needs, both in terms of starters and key backups. A backup for Bamford obviously being very, very important. And yet you look at what they did. They brought in Furpo, a good player, but, you know, He's a left back. He's not going to change your life. Certainly an upgrade on what they had last year. And then they spent 25 million on Dan James, who I don't mind. And I think he's absolutely capable of playing at the Premier League level. But 25 million on him when you've got other needs screaming at you. And Jack Harrison has had a really good season on the left wing. And you've made him his deal permanent. Like that's money that could have been spent better. They also spent about 10 million bringing in Amari Miller, Sean McGurk, Lewis Bate, and Leo Yeld. Again, all kids. All kids. At? This is the problem. They've, they've got they've got about 10 Premier League calibre players, a whole bunch of championship calibre players, and a whole bunch of kids. And when any of those Premier League players get injured, they just don't have the backups. So you start, And this season, they've been absolutely destroyed by injuries. Like, their injury issues this season wouldn't be quite as bad as ours last year. But when their players are missing, they're bringing in lads who aren't good enough for the division, we were at least bringing in, for the most part, internationals, bar the two boys at centre-back. And even Quebec is an international player when he came in. So we had to go right the way down to get to Nat and, and uh, Reese. Mm -hmm. Their next man up is just simply either not good enough or not ready. Yeah. I think, think what, what's interesting when you talk Jimmy about the money that they've, they've spent is the, the money that's been spent by the teams around them because it's 
you know, Villa are a couple of places above them, Leicester are above them. In fact, the team in 12th is Leicester and they're, they're, they're on 27. Burnley, the, the highest of the currently relegatable in the relegation zone are on 20. Leeds are kind of in the middle of that. And what they spent, you know, it's not, not a small amount of money, but when you look at the team just beneath them, funnily enough, it's Everton who spent quite a bit of money over recent years and are in serious danger by the looks of it. And that that's, I don't know whether Leeds need to to find money or is it is it I don't know it just seems to be that that people in football these days certainly Everton have shown it you give it you give a manager money and he'll spend it you give a sporting director money and he'll spend it and some of them just do not spend it right <laughs> I think that's fair I think that's more than fair what? it's no yeah it just seems to be a thing and and another reason and granted, um, the man most credited with the success uh, of the, of that area of our uh, club is on the way out. But an, another reason to revel in, in in the achievement and attainment of of what's going on with the Reds and Jim. Just to stay with you and get started into the details of the match, because God knows we have enough highlights to chat about. Oh, sort of um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. And like, by the way. This is a little bit of how the sausage gets made, but I, I'm just going to tell people I didn't, wasn't able to see, at least in any way that you'd consider uh, it capable of being able to talk professionally about afterwards, the first 10 minutes, because uh, I live in a field, as is well described, and I have very, very limited um, internet coverage. And tonight it was spectacularly awful. When I eventually did get uh, to listen to a tremendously excitable Arabic gentleman, he was a legend. I loved him until he, I lost him at halftime. And then I was listening to some Brazilian lads who drove me to d- despair because of the terrible quality of that stream in the second half but i got most of the main things the one thing i did miss was apparently jim was a chance early on on about four minutes where Mane really diaz in a bit of space then left flank he i think skipped past a challenger too cut in on his right foot but his shot hit the aforementioned sadio and traveled behind for a goal kick and my twitter timeline while i was crying and shaking my fist at the sky was telling me that most people seem to think that Diaz's shot was goal were bound into the top corner and to get back to my notes then the next thing of note is actually a flowing move where Robbo's cross was stopped by I think Dallas with his hand that led to a penalty and that is the opening goal of the game on 14 minutes and I just want you to talk to me a little bit about that and I'll continue with you up to the second goal where it'll go across to Dave. But that first penalty by Mo struck to the keeper's left um, was, uh, you know, a, a lovely sort of early uh, uh, settler for us, a little bit of a, I'm not sure, again, like I say, I don't, I don't have a full picture of that opening uh, sequence. The only thing of note that is in anybody is anybody's uh, match notes is that chance where Diaz has a, has a pop. Um, and obviously, Mo then, like I say, settles things down a bit. Did you feel as if there was anything else in that opening sequence you want to talk about? And is there anything around the goal or the concession of the penalty? Was it soft? What do you reckon? Trying to remember the order of everything because I didn't take notes myself for a change tonight because my notes are just useless most of the time. I get I get too angry. 
um, get too distracted <laughs> writing notes and then miss things sometimes. No, not really. But no, the Luis Diaz shot, that was looking from, from the replays I saw as well. He looked like he was definitely heading goalwards. It was curling nicely into the top corner and it would have been one of those amazing goals. And it would have been part more, you know, one little bit more in the sort of fairy tale of this player coming to Anfield and, and instantly becoming a hit with the fans because there's no doubt about it. He didn't waste any time whatsoever. He, he's, he's like the, the quickest settling in player I've ever seen, maybe at Anfield. Yeah. He, yeah. He's just straight away literally hit the ground running and he, he's big, he's strong, he's skillful, he's intelligent and you never used to get all of those things. He's quick. You know, all of those, you, you never used to get all of those things in a player. You know, they usually got some of them. But never that many and never never so you know, so so many marks out of ten for all of those attributes. Yeah. It was it was one of those things where I think I think Sadio was just doing what Sadio does. He's he's thinking, right, I've passed the ball, he's probably gonna have a crack and I'm gonna wait to pick up any of the pieces, which kind of fits in with what you said earlier about him playing in the middle. You know, he has got that kind of poacher's instincts as well. He's waiting to pick up any pieces if they might be. Just this time he was um Maybe not expecting Diaz to put in such an audacious shot. It was just unfortunate. And you do think at that time, is this going to come back and bite us on the arse later? But I don't really remember anything from Leeds between then and the goal. The only other incident to remember, and I just struggled to remember when it happened, was there was a moment where, where Ali just sort of lost con- concentration and let the Leeds player in and, you know, maybe whip the ball off him. And there was a bit of a, you know, Ali fell to the ground in the penalty area, but the ball got away. And, Sadly, I didn't get Brazilian commentary tonight. I got a moonlighting Martin Tyler on some Premier League channel that was oh, commentating. That was so you can imagine, can imagine how 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 much he made of Allison's little mistake, which was only a little mistake, I think. But you know, was there any danger that was there any danger that Taylor see... getting really upset as the game went on? Yeah, Leeds weren't getting back into it. It was going on. It was calling it howlers. You know, he was using those words to talk about every time Allison. Oh, you know, anytime Alli- the ball went near Allison. And I mean, I was quite calm, quite collected and quite un- unconcerned by most of it. I mean, these things happen, mistakes happen in football. And I think I think I felt it more tonight than ever is that this Liverpool side, generally speaking, if they do make mistakes, make up for them. You know, they, they don't yeah, sort of sit there and feel bad. Exactly. He would have just stuck an assist on the board, wouldn't he? If he had, if he had cocked up, you know, he exactly. Would. I mean, and 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 like I say, that's a well a well taken penalty by Mo. And just to run through the next little chunk with you as well, Jim. Seventy yeah. minutes, they actually they actually register a yellow. It's uh, Junior Furpo with a pretty wild challenge and fab. I, I didn't like the look of it at all. High yeah. feet and stuff. Twenty minutes, there was a decent attempt by Sadio. Uh, to play Robbo in 21 minutes, Diaz broke down the left, drove in toward goal, and the keeper saved uh, Diaz's inside of the foot shot. Um, it was a solid uh, bit of play by our new man. And I, like you say, and like I've said a million times now, he's just instantly the real deal. It's just, it's so heartening. Uh, it's so heartening to have a, a signing come in and, and have such an immediate impact. On 26 minutes, uh, Jim, we saw a little uh, rem- a little sort of flag in the ground, a little Joel adventure forward. Um, he lost the ball, but then in classic form came back and won it back, which was uh, very exciting, and Anfield loved that. Um, <laughs> and on 28 minutes, a beautiful flowing move ended with a, a robo attempt, I believe, because again, I was watching a proxy stream on my fucking phone. So uh, at the best of times, I wasn't 100% sure who was involved in everything. You may have to clarify things for me. But what I'm getting from that sequence 
happens up until the goal on the 29th minute. And I'll give um, young Hendrik the chance to talk about Joel's uh, goal at minute two. What I'm getting and what I got very much from that op- from that sequence between when the goal went in and 28 minutes was, I mean, we had our tails up, I, I think, very much in the ascendancy, starting to play the kind of football we wanted to play. And whatever, I, I saw several reports about, uh, you know, an awkward first half. I was like, what the fuck game are you watching? Maybe maybe an awkward 10 minutes, the, the one I wasn't familiar with. But from what you said, not so much. Very much, I thought, we're asserting ourselves in that period, Jim. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you've got one of your really, really pessimistic, superstitious moods on you where you sort of, I mean, I've done that in the past few games where I'm thinking, don't, don't raise your hopes, don't raise your hopes, don't be too relaxed. Look, you know, you know, you, you're worried that the team are looking complacent. I didn't feel that way at all in that first half. There was just that that little moment with Allison, and and obviously they're a team that could score on the break and could catch us out. But there's this thing about Liverpool now that so often we've always got somebody there that's just going to get you, you know, just going to get by. I mean, I think the biggest scare might have been, you know, them getting caught offside. And this thing that happens in football now where the, the linesman flags very late and that kind of thing. But even then you think, wow, that was close. And then you think, no, it wasn't because we caught him offside. We did everything right. The goal wouldn't have counted. And I mean, the penalty that we got, there's there's no arguments about that in football now. If the ball hits you in the arm, you're a defender in the penalty box. You're going to give a penalty away. Unfortunate, you know, in days gone by, maybe it wouldn't have been a penny to got away with it. But even that, I think, was, was pushing it. Um when I heard Lee Mason was on VAR, I thought, who knows what could happen? But no, it was still living. <laughs> and then, yeah, as you say, the, the Andy, Andy Robertson shot was kind of like, you kind of wished it had been the other way around, that Diaz had been the one on the end of the ball from Robbo rather than Robbo being on the end of the ball from Diaz. But you know what? He had a good crack. And really, he was just he was just preparing the, the ground really for that that Mr. Matic to step up and do his wonderful bit of work, which, um, well, we've already talked about it, but... Why not talk about it again? It was just, Why not talk about it again? And it's just not something they expect. I mean, I think the way Leeds play, they kind of seem to do quite a bit of sort of man-to-man marking and stuff like that as well. And it just mm. confused the shit out of them that, that Matic was running into the box, basically. And with full of confidence, playing like he was some kind of, I don't know, Johan Cruyff or something. So, you know, he, he, I'm, I, was, I was pleased and I'm sure, I'm sure we'll talk about it more and more. And I think if you did miss the game tonight for any reason... And you're looking for the goal. Go and look for that one first. There's plenty of clips on Twitter. I'm sure you'll find them. And just just watch. It's, it, it's a joy to see. The, uh, the no sure context is. Joel Matip account has the has the Joel <laughs> goal, so you can just check it out there. It is it no, is magnificent. It is magnificent. And David comes in the context of a game where we had 23 shots, 15 of which were on target. Mm. Um, oh and, and and you've got it again. It, I've some part of me feels that if this had been a Manchester City performance, the likes of the aforementioned Tyler would have been just eulogising it beyond the, the 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 normal heights. And like we should revel in that Joel Matip goal because in Joel Matip and and you and you and I have both been a little bit critical of Joel in recent perform mm. uh, performances because. Because it fucking merited it, right? Um, he's he's a he's a he's a lad. I think we can both hold our hands up and say we love loved seeing the team. Uh, but just I mean, if you were to if you were to put like with like, Kanate's most recent two performances were better than Joel's most recent two performances, and therefore you go well when you have a squad, then you change it up if you have to. And it's just great to see a lad who does this because 
there aren't many centre halves who can do what he did. And in the last time you and I chatted, you were pointing out that even that part of his game was a wall. Yeah. But by God, it was there uh, tonight with a flourish. And I want you to talk about that second goal. And within uh, six minutes or so, we we're three nil up um, with a mo. Salah penalty struck to the keeper's top left-hand corner. Sadio had been taken out by Ailing when he was put through on goal. And again, I swear to God, I saw three replays on this um, uh, particular stream that I saw. And it was almost impossible to make out who had made the pass through. I thought it was Trent, but I couldn't be I couldn't be 100% sure. So I'd like you to clarify the details around those two goals on 29, 35 minutes for me. Yeah, so just to back up a little bit, like that awkward spell that people talked about literally involved one offside that they managed where they broke and Harrison crossed for Rafinha who was offside and tapped at home. That's literally what it was, you know, encased. Just that moment. That was the awkward spell. Maybe... Same again, in other words. Same again as the last two games. Literally, yeah. Same as the last few games. And, like, you know, some people say, no, it was an awkward half. Yeah, maybe they'll count the the Allison kind of thing with Dan James, but like Leeds in the entirety of the game had an XG of 0.12 and we had an XG of 4.91, which has got to be one of the biggest disparities there's been in Jeez. the Premier League this season. I don't you, think they'd had a shot on goal on target on the first in the first hole of the no, first half. Not, not, not one, no. So, not even in that awkward spell did they manage one, no, one shot on target. Not even one. They had three shots in the game Two of them were on target, and neither of them troubled Allison at all. One was from Rafinha that was straight at him. I actually can't remember what the other one was, but I think it was a low shot that was pretty much straight at him as well. Whereas, as you said, we had 23 shots and 15 of them were on target. Um, the Joel goal is, is, is a thing of beauty, but what's going to go unnoticed, and probably rightly so because of the brilliance of, of Joel and, and Mo, was Diaz in the build-up dropped into central midfield and made himself available for the pass when everybody else was kind of crushed over onto the left-hand side. He dropped way out of position, picked the ball up, nobody anywhere near him, and just turned and played a simple ball to Joel and invited him to run into that space. Joel doesn't really need uh, a second invitation and had been doing it before that in the game as well. Runs in, Struyek comes to meet him, for no reason, because there's already a player blocking him. He plays it to Mo, and then he sees this massive gap behind where Streak has left and just charges into it. It's the perfect ball back from Mo. Absolutely perfect. And Do you it, think that when Mo Salo's hitting that pass in, Dave, that he was thinking, what the fuck am I doing here? I'm passing, I'm squaring the ball to Joel Matip. What, what, what? This is absolutely the wrong call I've made. It's, it's either that or it's, I, I'm going to give it to him because I really want to see what he does with this, like how he manages to fall over his own feet here or something. Because that's been the one little letdown with some of these dribbles is that Joel gets into a a tight Every area time. and yeah. gets a little yeah. bit overly excited and starts to like Irish dance and jig. It's like um, he suddenly remembers who he is, doesn't he? Yeah, remember. and he, he's like, oh my God, I'm in the wrong box. Yeah. It's <laughs> like the, the, when the cartoon characters are walking off the end of a mountain, then they suddenly realise they're not on the mountain anymore. and they Exactly, fall the exactly. Like <laughs> Wiley Coyote. Yeah. But that's that's the thing. Like, it, it, I, it, the great thing is Joel doesn't even take the touch. He just clips it home, and it's a brilliant finish. 
It's like a it's 30 goal season striker finish. It absolutely is. Like, you know, w- working with Salah and Mane and Jota and Bobby and Diaz every day is not just paying off by improving him as a defender. It's improving him in the opposition's penalty area as well. It is a brilliant goal. It's genuinely just every aspect of that goal from when Diaz drops in to make himself available for a pass into space, everything from there on is just brilliant. And after that, like, some of the movement we had was incredible. Like, Trent at times found himself as the most advanced player. And Leeds left winger Jack Harrison went with him. And Moe dropped back in, almost to right back once or twice, to pick the ball up. And Firpo, who'd already been booked, was terrified to go with him and get too tight. And we just had them absolutely all over the place. Because they played in the first half, they changed it the second half. But in that first half, because they were playing man-to-man, and we very quickly figured out, they're just going to follow us wherever we go. Like, we saw Thiago running off the back shoulder of defenders. We saw Trent as the most advanced man. We saw Andy Robertson taking up positions in the middle of their penalty box. Andy Robertson was having a good old time in that first half because he knew man-to-man, Rafinha works hard, he doesn't work as hard as Robbo, and he's not going to go chasing Robbo all over the pitch. So Robbo was like, well, if he's going to follow me, that's fine. I'll lead him a merry dance over there. And you could see Andy screaming back, making sure someone was covering left back whenever Rafinha would stop and let him go. Robbo... As soon as the ball was lost or the ball went out of play, he'd be shouting at Thiago or Curtis, whichever one happened to be that side of midfield at the time, to get across and cover Rafinha on the out ball. And it was just very coherent between our players. Like, even with all that movement, the, the shape remained the same. And it was, it was quite like watching City play, but entertaining. Like, you watch City play now, and it's 4-3-3, but in possession, it's... Three at the back, the right back tucks in with the centre backs. Canseo sits into midfield alongside Rodri. And then the, the other five basically play freedom of movement. There's no set position. They drop in here, they go left, they go right, they move central. There's always someone in a position. So there's always a right winger or a right sided midfielder or a left sided midfielder and then the front three. But it could be De Bruyne as the nine. Then he's left side of midfield. Mares is the right winger. Then he's playing in the centre forward spot. Sterling is popping up here and there. And that's kind of what it was like watching for a spell in that first half. Like Diaz was popping up on the right in the middle. Mane was dropping left, going right. Salah was dropping deeper. Trent was bombing on. Thiago was bombing on. Fabinho at one point decided he wanted to get in the act. And he got himself into their penalty box. And they just could not cope with it. Because... yeah. We're, we're taking advantage of their system. We're finding the weak points. And man-to-man, they're just not good enough. Like they, there's not one Leeds player, but maybe Rafinha as a right-sided eight, who gets into our team. Not one of them. That, the rest of them don't even get a look in. So they just couldn't cope with us. And on that, that penalty, the, the second one, what was interesting was Sadio loses the ball. If Ailing doesn't touch him, Sadio's not scoring because his touch to try and bring it round the keeper is is terrible. Yeah, and literally rolls straight into Ailing's arms. Ailing then started protesting that it was outside the box, 
And I'm almost certain the referee said to him, if it's outside the box, you're going off. It's red mm. card if it's outside the box. It's a yellow and a penalty inside the box. And Ailing shut up fairly quickly after that. Thiago then came across to try and influence the referee and seemed to be, you know, just asking for a clarification of why it wasn't a red card. But I think you're right. I think it was Trent's ball over to Sadio. I'm almost certain it was Trent's left-footed pass. As the ball came back to Trent, he played that left-footed first-time pass over to Sadio and Sadio ran on. But like I say, that that touch to go around the keeper is a really bad touch. If Ailing doesn't touch him, it rolls harmlessly to the keeper and, and nothing happens. So masters of their own demise. Yeah, it, it was a little bit, you're right, it was a little bit like the 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 Raptors in Jurassic Park, you know, sort of testing the fence regularly to see where the weakness were. And as the first half came to a conclusion, you're absolutely spot on. The Reds were just like rampant. There was a great cross in on 37 minutes from Trent and it Diaz flick to put Fab away. He was flying at this stage. 41 minutes, there was a, a Trent free kick um, uh, and it broke from a challenge that Joel Matt had put in to try and win that free kick to Fab who was in a great situation and hit his right-footed effort wide of the near post from about like eight, 10 yards. Diaz took a run in from the left on 46 minutes to the drag back. And he was so far ahead of everybody that he had time to recover, despite the fact that his drag back was to nowhere and get back on the ball himself. And then within a second or two, had a wild shot over the top tremendous crack this lad's just he was he had he had them on strings 47 minutes it was a lovely ball over the top to mo fantastic chance to go in four nil it could have been five nil at halftime and it wouldn't have been an exaggeration or anything that overly flattered us but mo lifts it over the advancing keeper uh but they've got two defenders coming back and i think it might have been furpo who cleared it off the line and right at the death there's another chance where Curtis shoots not far wide but Jim this is only you know the 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 appetizer for the second half where yeah there is a little bit of a spell where leads get up into our half a couple of times but it's just sort of endless pressure the first thing of note for me in the second half was on 55 minutes a decent chance for Sadio, a nice move, ended with Robbo playing the ball infield towards Sadio. His touch, his left-footed shot was not far wide of the right-hand post as Sadio was looking at it. 59 minutes, there was a mo carry of the ball. He cut in, did it, tried the mo shot, aimed for the top corner, but it stung the keeper's palms. It didn't have the elevation that was required. They brought on Gelhart for James in 60 minutes. And then 61 minutes, Curtis has another opportunity shooting over from, after playing a 1 2 at Mo. Mo himself had started the move. The lad was on fire, to be fair, Sal. I thought it was one of those games where he just, he, again, like I said earlier on about Diaz, he had them on strings. Uh, they have their first attempt, really, of no on 65 minutes. Rafinha cuts in, shoots, but it's straight at Ali. And we bring on Hendo for Thiago in 67 minutes, which I think most people will look ahead and see, well, okay, that's Kloppo wrapping up uh, the, the main man in in, uh, in Cottonwall for the final, at least that's the thoughts. 69 minutes, Furpo did actually centre 
uh, one Dallas dragged the left foot across the face of goal and wide 74 minutes Curtis plays a 1-2 uh, shot was saved 75 long range Robbo ball into Mo Salah but it kind of got away from him so Robbo's ball is coming from the left hand side Mo's breaking from the right as he usually does atypically his uh, his control let him down it got away from him and 76 minutes we bring on Jimmy Miller for Curtis that chunk of the second half up as far as 76 minutes, which is goal free, uh, but far from from opportunity free. What did you make of that yourself? And then I want you to tell me what you made of the goal in 79, which puts us four freaking nil up uh, from Sadio Mane. Uh, Henderson had won the ball. He passed it to Mo. Mo's fantastic return pass to him played Henderson in. He squares it beautifully to Sadio, who swept it home as he's moving in from the left. That puts us 4 0 up. That whole spell up to that goal from the start of the second half, what did you make of it? Was there anything of note that you, you wanted to draw attention to in that period of the game? Yeah, I think I think it was interesting that right up until the halftime whistle, and I think Tyler was saying, "Oh, that's probably the last chance of the half." And then we had two more in stoppage time in that, mm. in that first half. Was that was that appetite, that that determination to keep going? Which I think I think we kind of turned our, our volume down a little bit for the second half. That doesn't mean that we we sat back particularly, and we certainly never, to my in my memory, felt under any sort of threat whatsoever from them. It was it was almost there was a sort of feeling that maybe we were just sort of easing back a bit, there's a big game coming up on Sunday and it might end 3-0 this because although we were getting chances, we weren't kind of forcing chances, we weren't, you know, we weren't sort of being ruthless as such, but that's what I thought. And then all the, you know, all, all these sort of other chances and things that were coming in weren't weren't major. I was disappointed that Fab missed his shot because he's been so good in front of goal lately. But, they, they, you know, they, I mean, they, they, made two subs at half time. They'd made another one around about the hour mark. They'd played all the cards. And, you know, as we said at the at the top of the show, as Dave pointed out, the, the cards aren't great anyway that they can throw in. But even so, you know, they showed the colours. They there, there was maybe a sort of maybe slight hope I would say from Leeds that maybe they could pull one back, maybe get a consolation. And that just went with that fourth Liverpool goal. And it's not surprising. I think, you know, there was there was a shot of Henderson getting ready to come on, but behind him, James Milner was there with with the, with a Liverpool shirt in his hand, and you're thinking, is this going to be a Milner's and double double sub? But no, Milner was just holding Hendo's shirt for him, ready for him to get changed into it. <laughs> I thought that was, I noticed that as well. That was a lovely moment. <laughs> it was. It was. It's like, you know, it's like like a couple of old women on 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 the coach going on the coach trip for the day. <laughs> yeah. just, Helping each other out. But, I found it a bit I'll weird hold, that Henderson I'll hold your card against their apparel. Yes. I found it weird that Henderson had to tape his socks because I just assume he walks around with his full kit on under his clothes all the time, just in case there's a game breaking out. He's just yeah. ready to go all the time. Yeah, he's, he's, he probably doesn't even wear a kit. He's probably like part of his skin now. He thought can, it's just a. Can we also just point out, like Martin Tyler is a complete gal. Yeah. And as Thiago came off, Anfield Rudd arose and applauded Thiago. They were clearly applauding Thiago. And Martin Tyler goes, and the noise you hear is for Jordan Henderson. It clearly wasn't. It was for Thiago. Just accept that all the nonsense you said last year about him, about how he slows the team down, he hasn't adapted and all this shit, was wrong. 
I think he threw because that in at one point today as well about him slowing the team down. Yeah, and and Warnock, well, Neil, Stephen Warnock was awful on cold commentary, awful. But he at least corrected him on that. And then when Tyler talked about how maybe Trent should be moved into midfield, he corrected oh, him. But, you're kidding me. Oh, oh br- brutal, Trent. Brutal. If you talk, oh. McManaman <laughs> is bad. Stephen Warnock is worse. And some of the drivel that he came out with, like the the goal that you guys mentioned, I'll let Jim go again when he comes back, but the, the that goal for Mane, the first Mane goal, Diaz presses the keeper, which again will get overlooked, but should be mentioned because Melier is notoriously poor when put under pressure with his kicking. The ball, obviously, Melier kicks it straight to Henderson. Salah gets it, gives it back to Henderson. Henderson picks the ball up and is literally looking straight at Sadio Mane as he gets the ball because of the angle of his run and the angle of the pass. He is looking directly across at, Sa- at Sadio. And, and Stephen Warnock makes a big deal of, and the way he saw Sadio Mane, like, he's standing <laughs> in front of him. It's a good <sighs> pass, but he is standing in front of him. It feels like these, do you know, like, I think if you've ever, if you've been to more than a couple of games at Anfield and seen a substitution of a player that's like, you know, a, a big name going off or a big name coming on or, a, you know, wh- whichever way around it is, that you kind of get, there's two like waves of applause. There's the wave of applause for the player going off. There's a kind of different noise that comes along where they're sort of, you know, giving each other the high fives. And then another wave of applause, and you can you can tell the difference. We don't kind of do one big lot of applause or cheers or whatever. There's like big waves of, of applause. So you'd think he'd know that. And the truth is he probably does, doesn't he, Tyler? But never mind. It's 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 a like, nice little side show watching him melt down. Um, yeah, I, 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 I prefer my um, my incredibly verbose Arab bitch any day of the week. It was it was. It was in this day and age, we should just be able to flick a button, shouldn't we, and get any 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 flavour of commentary we like. Um, you'd have thought, yeah, you'd have thought, but 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 alas, uh, not quite yet. And the only thing I'm going to do is because I, I kind of derail us in terms of time because it's just been so it was such a it's such a it felt like a real match of note. I have to say, um, I'm going to go through the last two goals and the last events of the game which effectively were the last two goals. And then I'm going to go uh, to you, Jim, for your concluding thoughts, and then we'll finish um, uh, with you, Dave, with yours. And after Sadio has put his 4-0 up on 79 minutes, uh, Divock is brought on, Divock Origi is brought on for Diaz on 83 minutes. Another uh, round of applause, which is a very specific type of one that Jim's just mentioned for Diaz. He's getting used to them now. And, um, and, and you know, it's, it's canny by Clapo, you have to say. But we aren't done at 4-0, which we'd all have taken, bitten your hand off, etc., etc. But Sadio Mane scores goals, uh, scores a goal on the 80th and 90th minute. Uh, the 90th minute goal by Sadio was after a ball was played in towards Divock Origi. Again, my stupid stream, I think it's Milner. Um, uh, through the ball in on the left-hand side into Divock Origi. It's a good pass into him. Divock runs onto it. His first time shot is saved by the outrushing keeper. The ball spills across to Sadio Mane who sweeps it home beautifully. 
but we're not done there yet. No, we're not. Because playing to the whistle, 93rd minute, it's 6-0. It's Virgil van Dijk. He powers home a header from a Robbo corner. And that is a reflection of that game. That result is a reflection of the game. In a way that so many results that we've had, even though they have been impressive, Dave talked about how we regularly rattled two and three past teams um, as opposed to the occasional 8-0 or 7-0. But oftentimes those twos and threes, you feel like they should have been fives and six. And this one tonight, this was a match that was entirely a 6-0 win for the Reds. It was just dominant in a way that you don't get to see very often. And, and we're very lucky to be seeing our lot do it. So let me finish, Jim, then. If there's anything about those two goals you want to mention, feel free. But let me just get your overall thoughts then and wrap up with those and then as well if there's anything that you've got in the pipeline for folks that they might be getting their ears around the next while or any other projects you've got coming up let us know about those at the end as well I will do I mean I think I think just with the goals it's interesting Hendo played a big part in number four and Milner played a big part in number five it was Milner that I think that found Divock and Divock coming on late on you're thinking we don't need him today, but it's good to know that he's going to be there to come come in late on if we need that safety net at some point in this. We, in what I mean, the way we're playing, it, it is going to be a season of cup ties now. Every game's going to feel like a cup tie, whether it's a league match or an actual cup tie. And we've got plenty of actual cup ties to come. Um, I think it was good that Van Dyke scored at the end as well in the way, the, the traditional way that a centre-half scores, just to remind Matic not to have too many ideas above his station. And it just rounded off the, the kind of game it was that... You know, the fact we scored twice in, in the last few minutes, we, we we weren't sort of sitting back and waiting for the applause, were we? We weren't sitting back letting the fans sing You'll Never Walk Alone to us or all the Wembley songs or all the rest of it. We were just, we just kept going. And I think that ruthless streak could be what we need this season. And it's easier, I suppose, making sure that Leeds are well and truly kicked while they're down and maybe send them down, unfortunately, for them. But the truth is it's still that same kind of attitude, that same kind of play, that same kind of determination that that wins you league titles and wins you cups and clean sheet as well. So for all the problems that Liverpool supposedly had, we hardly got trouble, did we? And that's not always. I mean, there's another thing in football that when a team wins that people talk about how bad the opposition were. When someone scores a goal, they talk about the mistake a defender made. You know, I mean, I don't think we've really been critical so much of Leeds tonight because we do think Liverpool played well, and they did. I'm sure we could be critical of Leeds, but the, but that would be taken away from what was a brilliant performance and the kind of performance you want before you go down to Wembley for a cup final, which I know sometimes the League Cup isn't seen as that big a competition. It is like the, the bottom of all the competitions we're in, in terms of priority. It's bound to be. Certainly, I'm not, surprised, I'm not sure what the prize money is for winning it. It's probably 20 quid or something, but it doesn't really matter. It's trophy, it's silverware, it's our cup. Back in the 80s, we hadn't won it. And then all of a sudden, we won it four times in a row. Bob Paisley won it for the, in his last three seasons. And in his third season, he went and actually collected the trophy up the old steps at Wembley, which is what the, it was Graham Souness's idea. And the reason I remember all this is because this, this is an amazing segue into a show that you can now listen to on Anfield Index. Listen with that. Oh, I love it. If you're a subscriber with the ads if you're not but please please subscribe because the more you do that the more of this kind of stuff we can get and I was lucky enough to sit and talk with Kenny Dalglish the king the other night to talk about his memories of the League Cup he he won it oh, get he you. was one of the first players to win it and he won it as a manager as well 
So he 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 knows all about the League Cup. And for for someone like me, when I was growing up, Bob Paisley was manager. We didn't win the FA Cup, so that was our domestic trophy, apart from the league title, of course. So I do love that cup. I've got got a lot of fondness for it, but not as much fondness as I have for Mr. Dalgleish. And it was an absolute privilege to speak to him the other night. So please, please have a listen and listen to Kenny. And he's he's got an amazing memory. He doesn't need any notes. He can remember everything about every game. Yeah, you you, you ask Eddie Gibbs about Kenny's memory. It's unreal. He certainly, he and we'll certainly also, remembers we'll, Eddie. We'll also try and fit a scouse of Tommy's in as well, if we can, before the um, before the final. Because, I mean, it's a big thing. You know, in days gone by, there would have been special editions of the Echo and everything before this final. So let's mm. let's let's not play it down. We've just we've got that league game out of the way, nice and well. Cup game coming up. Let's all enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. Let's revel in it. And if you haven't uh, gotten your ears around uh, Jim Boardman on a podcast, just sort that out, will you? There are tremendous shows there. Um, Jim's point you did to two in particular, but everything the man works on is worth your attention. And delighted to have them all with us this evening. And as we go then, Dave, to you for your wrap-ups, don't let me influence you, but I'm just, I'm seeing two things at the moment. I've got my phone open, I've got my, my Twitter account open, and on one, I've got young guy Drinkles just retweeted uh, that fantastic, one of the my favourite things about the club era is where he goes to the fans and mm. does the fist, the fist salute, you know? And he's done six of them there tonight, then a chest bump, and then a bonus one, right? <laughs> Which is really weird, because it's usually a strict three. Um, and I'm comparing and contrasting him uh, with his fellow ball cap uh, and and uh, a padded jacket, uh, Tony Conte. And Big Tone's not having a good time. And Big Tone's a super manager. And he's been appointed to a club with loads of money uh, with the idea that he can revive them. And he's there tonight saying, you know, uh, I need to talk to the club. Tottenham have to make an assessment about the club and about me. We need to find the best solution. I can't accept to keep losing i'm sorry he says yeah okay big tom's probably having a bit of a uh bit of a strop there and a be perhaps half sorry for him perhaps half not but it reminds you doesn't it of the fella that we have and how well it's worked out and what a good lad he is and how in touch he is with us as a fan base so in your wrap-up thoughts, if you wouldn't mind just embracing that concept, I'd appreciate it. And then do let people know what you've got for the week too. Well, let me start with Conte first. He also said this club is strange. They change manager. The players stay the same. They stay losing, which, you know, is is very much pointing at where the problem is. Um, I think he's setting up that he wants to be properly backed in the summer or he will not stick around. He is one of the four or five best managers on planet Earth so he can make the demands that he wants. Because if he leaves Spurs, he'll walk into another top job because everybody will want the guy who won three league titles with Juventus before leaving to become the Italian national team manager before joining Chelsea and winning a league title in his first season there with a team that had finished 10th, I think, uh, ahead of Pep, Klopp, Mourinho and Pochettino who were walking around the league at the time who went into Milan and revived them and broke the nine-year stranglehold that he had started with Juventus in terms of winning Serie A. Everyone will want him. He is one of the great managers. 
it's unfortunate for them that Spurs are Spurs and, you know, they beat Man City on a weekend and then lose to Burnley, who'd only won two games all season on the Wednesday. So a lot to factor in there. But we are very fortunate to have Klopp. And Klopp is very fortunate to have Liverpool as well, because if he went to Spurs, he might be miserable True. as well. Um, yeah. I, I, the, the, the seven, the, the six, you know, and then the, the, the chest bump and then the seventh, I think it's just a, you know, a little nod to letting everybody know we're winning number seven this year as part of our quadruple. But <laughs> on the topic of Champions nice. League, just to make everybody aware, we are the only club in this season's Champions League who has won all seven of their games. Uh, the other two teams who won all six in the group stage, Bayern Munich, they drew last week with Red Bull Salzburg and Ajax drew tonight with Benfica. Only Jurgen Klopp's Mighty Reds won all six group games and their first leg in the knockout stages. So that's something to keep close to your heart as well, that we are currently the most informed team in the European Cup as well as in the Premier League. Um couple of things on the end of the game. There was definitely a, a big lull for probably 20 minutes in the second half where it became very much about sort of managing fitness and getting everybody through to Sunday and not taking any risks and not physically exerting ourselves beyond the needed point. Uh, obviously, then Sadio gets the fourth. Sadio gets the fifth as well which is very, very fortunate goal. Obviously, the ball is played by Milner. Divock gets his shot away. The keeper saves it. It hits Struyck, who's running back to try and get a tackle in, and bounces to Sadio. But I have to say, prior to Sadio's first goal, my overwhelming thought was he's very lucky Diogo Jota's not fit enough to start on Sunday. Because if he yeah. was, he'd be the one dropping out because he didn't play well tonight. I thought he was quite selfish in a couple of moments where he could have fed others in. I thought the one where Curtis squared it back for Mo and Sadio came herring onto the ball, I think he put Mo off and potentially caused him his hat-trick. Um, his touch wasn't there. He was a little bit lost at times. Now, look, it's a new position for him. It's somewhere he's only played a handful of times prior to recently. But he wasn't playing well until he gets his two goals. That's just my... Now, you guys might disagree, but my, my overwhelming feeling on Sadio before the goals were... You're just really lucky the Jota's not fit because the starting three on Sunday would be Salah, Jota and Diaz because Salah and Diaz have been far better than you tonight. I thought Diaz was excellent again. Again, it's the hard work. It's not even what he does on the ball. and There's a few bits I want to highlight, but some of the stuff he did off the ball tonight in terms of chasing down keepers, his movement to open up space his covering of Andy Robertson and things like that were just exactly what we want in that position. And I said it months before we signed them. I said it as we signed them. I'm saying it again. This kid is somewhat of a hybrid of the very best of Sadio and the very best of Luis Suarez. That unpredictable, off-the-cuff, wants-to-embarrass-an-opponent nature of Suarez with that hard edge, that hard-running the pace in behind, the the non-stop go of Sadio. I think he's a perfect amalgamation of both. I think he's going to explode in this league. He's out wait, there wait, tonight. Wait, wait till him and Trent get an understanding in terms That's of like the exactly cross-field passes and things, you know? And he's great in the air. And when Trent realises that he's great in the air and he can ping that ball to the back post for him to head, that's going to be a weapon as well. 
But like he's out there tonight embarrassing Premier League players in his third game in the league. Embarrassing them. There was the moment where he scooped it up and scooped it over for Fabinho, which was glorious. There was the moment where he attacked them on the corner of their box and did that little kind of thing where he stands on the ball and back heels it to one side and goes again. He was playing keepy-uppies and lobbing it over the heads of them on the edge of their box. Then he played that gorgeous no-look pass to, to Thiago. He is just a special footballer, and we're going to have an awful lot of fun watching him over the coming years. I've got some stats. I know that normally Matchett brings the stats to this podcast, but he's not here. Uh, I predicted the 6-0 on Scouted, so I'm going to take my victory lap. And here are some Good interesting man. scouts, some stats. Most goals in the Premier League this season. You guys covered this earlier. Salah with 19, Jota with 12, Mane with 11. Most assists in the Premier League this season. Salah with 10, Trent with, nine, with, with 10, and Andy Robertson with 9. So the top, top three scorers and assisters this season in the Premier League, all from Liverpool. And here's one for Martin Tyler and the like, the, the silly people that spent last season doubting Thiago. Liverpool's Premier League record so far this season, we've played 26 games. Thiago has played in exactly half of them. 13 games, 13 wins for Thiago this season in the Premier League. Without Thiago, 13 games, only five wins, six draws and two defeats. We are night and day a different team when that boy is on the pitch doing all of the things he does that make us so much better and make everybody else on the pitch better. And it's become, I think, clear to everybody the midfield is Fabinho Thiago plus one. And it doesn't seem to matter massively who the other one is because I thought Curtis had a good game tonight. He had some sloppy moments early on. He got caught in the ball. He looked a little bit rusty at times, which, you know, it happens when you haven't been in the team for a couple of games. But once he got into the flow of the game, I thought he linked up well with Mo and with Trent. Looked far more comfortable on that right side of the midfield, that more attacking, adventurous role. Got himself into some good central positions as well. And I think Curtis has definitely put himself in with a shout of maybe not starting on the weekend, but certainly being involved. Um, so credit to him. Joel, like you said, Trev, I've criticised him the last few games. Defensively, I thought he was spot on tonight. The dribbling was back and obviously scores the greatest goal in the history of the game of football. Um, in fact, we should probably petition to have the game renamed to Matip Ball or something like that. His wife tweeted halfway through the game <laughs> something about the, where are the haters now? I'm not sure Joel Matip has any haters, but still. Who hates I thought, Joel? <laughs> I thought that was good banter. I thought Robbo looked incredible tonight. Trent had one of his quieter games. was still a solid 8 out of 10. Our back three contributed two goals and an assist. It's just fantastic. Like we were just absolutely to a man. Barsadio. Of the starting 11, Barsadio, I thought everybody played well. But he still ended up with two goals, which tells you how good we were. Look, Leeds lead, were terrible. They were terrible. They, the, the, the two highlights they had were Allison dawdling on the ball and Rafinha being offside. That That's basically what they brought to the game. That and some really shit shouts from their Gamini supporters. Now, there is one girl, I can't find her name. There is one girl I saw wore a Justice for the 97 on the back of her Leeds jersey. So if by any chance she ever hears this, fair play to you. At least you stand for something good. Unlike 
some of your uh, cohorts who were singing the usual sign on and all that kind of bullshit. Um, I, hope the, um, I hope they had a pleasant trip back over the Pennines. It's very windy tonight. That's it. That's it. You'd hate for their bus to break down. A flat <laughs> tire on a night like this. On, on, on England's highest motorway. Yeah. Wouldn't that be awful? <laughs> be a terrible thing. It could be, it could be days out there before they get someone out to help you. But yeah, all, all in all, very, very happy. We go into Sunday and I'm with Jim. This is a, t- a big thing. This, like, it gets overlooked, but we've won this thing eight times. For years, we were the team that had won this the most. Then City managed to catch us because they won it, what, six times in the past 10 years? Like, they've dominated this tournament. And that's why we should look at it as important as well, because they look at it as important. Now, they're trying to build a history, but we need to maintain our history. And our history is that we take this competition very, very seriously. And if you look at the other clubs that have won it in, in recent years, um, so from 13-14, it was City, Chelsea, City again, United, and then four in a row for City. So like, it's not like it's been won by minnows. The last small club, or the only small club maybe to win it, is Birmingham. Uh, or the only small club to win it recently, I should say, is Birmingham in 2011. But other than that, it is the top dogs that go and win this competition. And when anyone tries to claim club, doesn't take the domestic competition seriously. And I mean, I know he doesn't always play his strongest eleven, but he does always put a team out that he thinks will win. And if you look at the teams that have knocked us out of cups in like in previous years, it's not we're not we've not been giant killed as such, have we? So no, that's the thing. Like it's normally Premier League opposition, and obviously, you're, I, I, I did miss Swansea, of course, as, as a minnow that won it back in 2013, but we won it the year before that, so apart from Swansea that one year, it's been the top clubs winning this competition, and that's, you know, that's why we should take it seriously, that's why we should be going out to win it. When Klopp first landed at Liverpool, what was the first thing he prioritised? The League Cup, got to the final, lost, but got to the final anyway, and uh, so I want us to win, now I will give everybody one very strong piece of warning not to get your hopes up too much because what I have learned today in my role as the investigative journalist here at Anfield Index and Anfield Index Pro is that Gags Tandon is attending the game and unfortunately for Mr Tandon he is a jinx so Gags has been to I believe seven finals in his life and Liverpool have lost four of those finals and that, to me, tells me that he is a bad luck woman and should stay his ass at home. So, Tandon, if you hear this, get the flu. Don't care. Just don't enter that stadium. Harinder, Cam, I'm putting this on you two as well because you're bringing them. Leave them outside. We lost your ticket, gags. Get used to saying that line. Sorry, bud, we can't find your ticket. Why don't you wait for us outside? That's all he needs to do. Stand outside and wait. Because we can't be having repeats of the shenanigans in Basel, the shenanigans in Kiev. You know, he was there at Wembley when we lost to City. He was there at Wembley when we lost to Chelsea in the FA Cup final in the Kenny. I mean, come on, Gags, at the he's, very he's, least. He's you've won got, you've four got... in his last couple of finals. He's got to admit these are not his lucky underpants. Change them for the next final. Please. Think, <laughs> that's exactly the thing. So, so I'm just letting everybody know this is this is work that I've put time into today. I've uncovered this story. I'm breaking this news. Gags Tandon is a jinx, and if we lose, he's the only reason to the only person to blame. But we are going to win because they are not very good, and Tuchel's going to have to park the bus. 
and we're just going to play at a very high level and go and win the game. And that's all there is to it. We need say no more. Two-footed pod every day at 4 p.m. Daily Red every day at lunchtime. There'll be an old school next week to celebrate the breaking of the jinx if we do win. Or there'll be a, an old school next week where I spend an hour telling him that it's his fault. <laughs> so either way, that's something to look forward to. Uh, uh, can I just say then uh, we should wrap it up because and, and I'm, I'm aware I set the tone earlier on so it's a long pod folks but you know it's it's a joyous pod so hopefully you, you'll forgive us that um, <clears throat> we are looking forward uh, greatly to the weekend where uh, Guy Drinkle who has been hosting all the shows uh, to up to and including the semi-final victory will be hosting um, the raw for the final as is proper freaking order uh and i hope you'll continue to host the fa cup until we get to the final there as well and win it too i look forward to that but we have already decided that should the victory be ours there'll be quite a few of us will chip in and we'll try and make it as festive as possible so do look forward to that hopefully it will be something to celebrate on sunday it's going to be a very very, very quick turnaround though folks before we're back on raw again for the next important game they just don't stop because this team of us of ours is so good uh thanks to dave uh woodward and bernstein hendrick thanks to jim boardman thanks to guy drinkle i've been trev downey uh we'll speak to you again very soon we hope you enjoyed listening to this anfield index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.